You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Very happy Thursday to you all. Plenty to get you ahead on this episode of Locked On Cougars. We continue on with our look around the NFL and the chances that former Cougars will make their respective NFL rosters. We're checking in with the Tennessee Titans today and the chances that rookie undrafted free agent Chandon Herring can make the team there in Nashville with the guys over at Locked On Titans. We also will continue to look at all the things going on in BYU football history with a look at 1957. Hal Cops second season as head coach of the BYU football program. How did things go? We'll examine that. And of course, we will catch you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports news, including an update on what's going on in the College Football Hall of Fame that features one prominent former Cougar. We'll talk about all of that ahead on today's podcast. It's all brought to you today by our good friends over the Locked On College Football channel. There are five conference-specific shows for you guys if you have interest in checking them out. If you have an interest in the SEC, the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, or even the Pac-12, just search out Locked On, insert whatever conference name there, wherever you get your podcast, and it'll pop up right for you guys. Great shows, great content, and obviously a lot of fun to be had listening to those podcasts in addition to this one. All right, without further ado, let's have some fun on a Thursday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 3rd, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, in my day job. And a huge thank you to all of you for joining us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of this podcast. Even with it being summer, you guys have made this venture go. Hundreds of you tuning in every single day. And a big thank you to all of you for joining us. It's a blast, honestly, to see the support this podcast gets every single day. Just revs me up and just keeps me going. And that's what I really enjoy about this venture. But getting going here on a Thursday. But one more thing, by the way, if you haven't done so already, you're checking us out for the first time, hit that follow button. That way you never miss an episode. We aim to be with you guys five days a week. Hit that follow button and this podcast, it'll just pop up in your feed. It'll download automatically. You can listen to us right there. So make sure you do that if you haven't done so already. Now, on to business on a Thursday here. We've been doing this series over the past two weeks, looking around the NFL. And former Cougars, obviously, trying to make NFL rosters. 12 of them in this past NFL draft cycle, obviously looking for a new home to continue to play the sport that they love. Well, I had a chance to reach out to Locked On Titans to talk about undrafted free agent Chandon Herring. I'll tell you what, guys. I've got a soft spot for Chandon Herring. Very much a young man that I am rooting for. I think he has got the ability to be that quote-unquote swing offensive lineman, if not a swing tackle at the NFL level. And what I mean by that is with the 54-man roster the NFL franchises limit their teams to, they usually carry about seven active offensive linemen on a roster. They have the five starters and then two other guys that they call swing linemen. And what it is, you have to be able to play multiple positions to be that fifth, uh, excuse me, not the fifth, the 
sixth and seventh offensive lineman on that roster. And in Chandon Herring's case, his ability to play both guard and tackle is going to be a benefit to him. Well, I reached out to Locked On Titans to ask for their opinion on what they think of Chandon Herring's chances are of making the roster. And here's what they sent us back. Tyler Rowland here, host of the Locked On Titans podcast, breaking down the chances that former BYU offensive lineman Chandon Herring can make the Tennessee Titans 53-man roster for the 2021 season. First, looking at Herring as a prospect, although he did go undrafted, his size and natural ability is very enticing. He's six foot six. 307 pounds, has a ton of mobility and athleticism and change of direction for an offensive lineman, good moving laterally as well. And outside of just his physical attributes, you look at the guy on the field and he, you know, showcased incredible versatility during his time at BYU. He split his 23 starts between the guard spot and the right tackle spot. So that's obviously going to appeal to an NFL coaching staff and an offensive line coach when you're looking at a guy who can not only play at one spot but play multiple spots. Depth is challenged on a weekly basis at the NFL level, so having guys that can step in in multiple different situations is very important and a guy like Herring doesn't just have the mobility to play in the Titans outside zone running scheme, but he also has that versatility to play not only tackle but also some interior offensive line if called upon. Now, at his age right now, Herring, because of the uh, religious mission trip that he took that took away two years of his normal college career, he is an older prospect. And some coaching staffs will look at that and say, how much juice can we squeeze out of this guy? But I think for Chandon Herring, that could be a, a benefit to his chances to make the roster. The Titans are in a win-now position as a franchise, and they're going to need guys on the roster who they feel comfortable with stepping in right away and having an older prospect like Herring, who's 23 years old, he's going to have, or 24 years old, he's going to have the opportunity to be NFL ready with his body and with his mind and his maturity. So that's going to go a long way for Herring as well. So I could see him having a chance to stick on the Titans, not only for the physical reasons I gave, the maturity reasons I gave, the versatility reasons I gave, but also the Titans don't have a lot along the interior offensive line right now. Yes, they have their three bona fide starters and guards Roger Saffold and the young man Nate Davis. They also have veteran Ben Jones at center. So none of those guys are going to be supplanted anytime soon. But you go past that on the interior with the Titans offensive line. Maybe backup tackle Ty Sambrillo could kick in and play some interior offensive line. But outside of that, you're looking at undrafted free agent from 2020 Aaron Brewer. Uh, you're looking at a guy like Daniel Murner who spent a lot of time on the Titans practice squad. And while I'm personally high on Aaron Brewer, I don't think that the Titans are so high on him that he couldn't be supplanted by Chandon Herring. So I think there is a a very good opportunity for Herring if he can improve on some of uh, the deficiencies in his game. He needs to add some strength. He needs to be able to anchor against strong defensive linemen, basically setting his base and not being driven back is something that he really has to work on. Yeah, he's a big-bodied guy, got good athleticism and mobility, but there's some, some strength that's canceled out that you would want and some 
some power that you would want from a guy that size that isn't really there with Herring right now. So can the Titans develop that in a short time to give him a chance to make the roster? I don't know for certain, but with the athletic ability that he has, with the maturity and the age that he has, the versatility that he displayed while starting for BYU in college, and then the Titans need adding depth along the interior offensive line, there is a chance that Herring could compete for a roster spot for the Tennessee Titans for this upcoming season. Many, many thanks to Tyler. And if you want to get daily coverage of the Tennessee Titans, check out Locked on Titans. Tyler does a great job covering everything going on down there in Nashville. And it's encouraging to hear him talk about the fact that the older age, speaking of Herring, him being an older prospect, actually going to benefit him as he tries to get back in, or not back in, as he tries to make the Tennessee Titans roster, that 54-man roster. And it's good to hear that he actually believes that there is a spot for him. Talking with those around Chen and Herring, when as soon as the draft ended, he had multiple options in terms of undrafted free agent possibilities, and his agent's been very smart about looking at opportunities, finding rosters where it seems like he has a chance to make it, and there's a reason why he picked the Tennessee Titans, because he truly believes that there's an opportunity there for him to come in and make an impact and make that team. So we'll be rooting for Chandon Herring, wishing him nothing but the best as he moves forward here with his career, and like I said, I got a soft spot for that young man, and I'm hopeful that everything works out for him. And a big thank you once again to Tyler and Locked On Titans for sending that over to us. We will continue these breakdowns for you guys over the next week or so, kind of wrap things up, get some of our final thoughts from the hosts around the Locked On podcast channel, uh, Locked On NFL podcast channel is what I'm trying to say, and get their takes on former Cougars and their chances of making their rosters. All right, coming up here in a minute, we'll continue on with BYU football talk. Looking back in the history books, 1957 for the BYU football program. How did things go for Hal Kopp in his second year? Well, all things considered, pretty dang good, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Made In, and if you're wondering what Made In is, guys, they are an absolutely phenomenal company. They produce professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. Now, I will freely admit, for most of my life, I have not been a big chef. I have not been a person who really likes to make the food. I love eating the food. If you look at my portly figure, I I think you would agree with that. But recently, I have gotten more and more into making food, cooking things, and I got a new knife from Made In this past week, folks, and what an addition to my kitchen it has been. It's absolutely incredible. They source the finest materials, speaking of Made In, and partner with renowned craftsmen to make the premium kitchen tools that are available directly to you without the markup. Made In products are made to last, and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly, can easily go from the stovetop to the oven, and their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. And I got to say, I think I've used it two or three Three times since I received it in the mail. It is an absolutely incredible knife. So big thank you to Made In for sending that over to me. They also have 28,000 plus five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world, guys. Check them out. Right now, Made In is offering all of you guys, our listeners, 15% off your next order when you use the promo code Locked On at madeincookware.com slash locked on. Check it out, guys. It is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. Go to madeincookware.com slash locked on. Use that promo code Locked On for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on using the promo code Locked On. Made In, better cookware for better meals. 
Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at rockauto.com, guys. Obviously, Rock Auto wants to help you out with whatever you need in terms of your automotive needs. They have got thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers for every make and model of every vehicle known to man, I would venture to guess. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even brand new carpet. I I like to use the joke, you want to put shag carpet in your car? I think Rock Auto can help you guys out of that. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer at rockauto.com. That's what I love about it, guys. You can search, customize your search, and find the right price point for the right part you need. Check them out now at rockauto.com. While you're there, please write Locked On or Locked On Cougars in the How Did You Hear About Us box, so that way they know that we sent you to check them out. And the best part about it all, everything is shipped directly to your door. That's what we love about it. Prices are always reliably low, the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Take advantage of the offers they have out there for you guys. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV. I promise you will not be disappointed. Check them out once again. That's rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low pricing, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV could ever need. Check them out once again at rockauto.com. Folks, continuing on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, let's take a stroll down memory lane and talk about the 1957 BYU football program. As we talked about yesterday, Hal Kopp, or Harold, which is actually his given name, came in from the University of Rhode Island in 1956 with a goal to rebuild BYU, and boy howdy, did he very quickly. After a two-win season and a seventh-place finish in 1956, he elevated the Cougars from that seventh-place finish to second place in 1957. Very much an impressive second season for him, especially considering of the 46 players listed on BYU's roster, in 1957, 23 of them, yes, exactly half, were sophomores. Very, very young roster for the BYU football program, but those sophomores very much were a catalyst to BYU putting up a 5-3-2 overall record. BYU was very, very impressive during this season and honestly really picked up some impressive wins. They went to Arizona to open the season, tied that game 14-14, then went to Memorial Stadium in Manhattan, Kansas to take on the Kansas State Wildcats for the first time in program history was summarily dismissed 36-7 in that game. Then came home on October 4th for their home opener and beat Montana 20-7. Then they went to Utah and in typical fashion, they lost to the Utes 27-0. They followed that up with a game up in Laramie, Wyoming that was played apparently in all kinds of mud if you read the stories about this game. Uh, BYU just absolutely was unable to move the ball, and Wyoming, to their credit, also couldn't move it. Tied that game 0-0 for BYU's second draw of the season. So halfway through their season, they have exactly one win, two losses, and two ties. The back half of the season is when BYU really got rolling, though. They hosted Denver on October 26th, trounced the Pioneers 25-6, followed that up with a 14-0 shutout of Utah State in an absolute blizzard. Reading the newspaper story of this late in this game, a all-out brawl broke out between between what was then the Farmers and now the Aggies, speaking of Utah State and BYU, on the home field there at Y Stadium. As the writer from the Daily Herald put it, this is probably the most exciting and biggest brawl we have seen in Skyline Conference history. Apparently it started with, an, with some linemen getting into it and then just fisticuffs went flying all over the place. And like I said, 
It was played in the middle of a blizzard. So fun times. BYU gets the 14-0 victory for that in-state rivalry win. Then following that, BYU went to Fresno State, lost that game in Ratcliffe Stadium out there in Fresno, 27-14. But no matter, they came home, beat Colorado State 26-9 to really lock in that second place finish for BYU and had they beaten New Mexico and gotten a Utah State tie or win over the University of Utah BYU likely would have tied for the conference crown but Utah did beat Utah State to win the conference crown BYU held on to beat New Mexico in Albuquerque 14 to 12 and locked in that second place finish BYU in the Skyline Conference 5-1-1 overall Utah won the conference obviously with a 5-1-0 record overall so 5 wins 1 loss that tie pushed BYU just behind them but nonetheless very much an impressive season for BYU and how did they do it you're probably wondering okay Jake how did they go from two wins to five wins seventh place to second place well a big part of it was BYU finally was on the receiving end of a lot of turnovers and what I mean by that is they took the ball away at an incredible rate Uh, they led this nation with 32 fumble recoveries oh excuse me tied for the national record of 32 fumble recoveries during the 1957 season. They also intercepted 21 passes. We talked yesterday how BYU's quarterbacks threw a lot of picks. Well, they actually uh, intercepted 21 passes while only giving up 10 of their own. So a big credit to Hal Kopp and his program was they took care of the ball and they took it away a lot as well. And obviously, when you garner 53 takeaways over 10 games, an average of 5.3 takeaways, geez, that's a lot of takeaways, but that's a big catalyst to why BYU very much was an improved team in 1957 and obviously had big expectations going into 1958 as I mentioned 43 of the uh, 43 23 of the 46 players on this roster were sophomores so there was an expectation going into 1958 that BYU very much would be challenging for the Skyline Conference crown Uh, as we've detailed during this rundown BYU still has yet to win a conference title that is still a ways off for BYU but obviously on the way up we will talk tomorrow about 1958 the final season of Hal Kopp's tenure as head coach at BYU explain what ultimately led to his departure but very much an impressive uh, display for BYU during the 1957 season one note I wanted to mention in terms of an individual player was John Capelle. we talked earlier this week as well as late last week about Fimika Anai opening the Polynesian pipeline to BYU well John Capelle was the second of those players to come through BYU. He was a six foot, 230 pound offensive lineman from Kaneohe, Hawaii. Played for BYU as a sophomore in this 1957 season. Played through 1959. Was a standout player. Every story I read on newspapers.com about this season for BYU, speaking of 1957, when they mentioned offensive linemen, well, essentially John Capelli in every story to a man was mentioned. He was an absolute stud from the time he was a sophomore, a standout player for BYU, and that Polynesian pipeline is starting to churn a little bit here for BYU if you if you look at what's happening. So the 1950s all the way through today, think about it. So many great players have played for BYU of Polynesian descent, whether they're Hawaiian, Samoan, Tongan, Fijian, New Zealanders, what are they, Maori, the Maori? Yeah, it's just crazy to think about 
all of the things that the Polynesian pipeline has done for BYU in its football history. And it all goes back to Famika and Nye in the early 1950s, John Capelli continuing it on. And we'll continue to talk about different standout Polynesians throughout this, but eventually it's almost impossible to name all of them, all the contributors on BYU's team on any given season, but still very, very impressive all the way around. And really an impressive season for BYU in 1957 with that 5-3-2 and record. Very much showed that Hal Kopp knew what he was doing we talked about when he came over from Rhode Island he had won three conference titles in five years the first bowl appearance for the Rams in their program history he was a conference coach of the year three times and oh by the way this season when you go from seventh to second place you also get named Skyline Conference Player of the Year so in six years as a head coach speaking of Hal Kopp he had won coach of the year four times very much an impressive figure and a very good job in terms of rebuilding the football program overall and one of our long Longtime listeners actually sent this in via email. Joel Willardson. Joel is a young listener out there on the East Coast. And Joel, I cannot thank you enough for sending this over. But let me read this email. And this talks about how Cop it relates to today. He said, a couple years ago, I received a book called Tales from the BYU Cougar Sideline by Brad Rock. And while looking through it today, I found something that might help with the 100 seasons of BYU football during the Hal Cop era. Now, here's the quote, the excerpt from that book. Quote, after arriving at BYU, Cop determined the Cougars needed to pass more often, so he installed an offense that you made more use of the air. According to late BYU Sports Information Director Dave Schultless, on the train coming home from a road game, someone in the traveling party asked Cop what made him decide to pass the ball that season. I put my head back and I had a vision, said Cop. He went on to say that he saw an old pioneer who had a long beard and he was saying, pass, pass, pass. Okay, think about that, folks. In Cop's book, I've seen it all. He wrote of sitting on a train with an assistant coach. The lights dimmed on the train, but another light appeared in the darkness. Three men were in the light. Cop's account spoke of Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, and another man he did not know appearing to him in a vision. He went on to say that Smith said, you are in trouble, coach, and spread his arm, indicating a spread formation. Then he made a passing motion. When Cop said, pass the ball, Smith nodded. There is more than one inconsistency with Cobb's account, however. First, he wrote the revelation came on the way home from a game against the University of Montana at Bozeman. Well, the University of Montana is in Missoula, and BYU never played Montana State located in Bozeman during his tenure. But, Joel, I cannot thank you enough for sending that in. So apparently, either Brigham Young or Joseph Smith had a key in uh, Hal Kopp's new offense and how had Coach Kopp really stayed at BYU longer term. Maybe we're talking about BYU being more of a passing team earlier than the early 1970s when Lavelle Edwards took over. Who's to say that ultimately would have come to pass? Pardon the pun. But interesting nonetheless to hear about that vision. I had never heard that story before. I probably should have known that story, but really, really interesting all the same. Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, and an unidentified figure as well. So thank you, Joel, for sending that in. And like I said, tomorrow we'll talk about 1958 and Hal Cop's final season, his only his third year at BYU and why he was let go. We'll get to all of that on the Friday edition of the podcast. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Thursday. We'll get to that here in mere moments. Today's show, though, is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar absolutely love talking about this company folks i talked about earlier this week how i had ordered a box of 18 orange bars they arrived i had one 
it was divine. And I use that term very specifically because I love built bars. I am an unabashed supporter. I eat these things as often as I am permitted to. They are absolutely incredible. The best part about them, they're high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calorie. They are the perfect treat. And I mean that sincerely. The treat aspect to it is incredible because you know it's healthy for you, but it tastes legitimately like a candy bar. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. I cannot encourage you guys enough to give them a shot. Nine base flavors available to you guys all the time at BuiltBar.com. But if you're like me and you like specific flavors, oftentimes they have what they call limited time flavors. You have to order them within a limited time frame, as you would imagine, to get them. Like my orange bars, I had to get them earlier this week when they were on sale. Go to BuiltBar.com, check it out for yourself. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. You heard that right. LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, folks, before we go here on a Thursday, let's get you guys caught up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan on the podcast. We'll start off. We are 93 days away from BYU and Arizona kicking off the season on September 4th there in Las Vegas. Well, number 93 on the roster this year is former Juab High School standout from Nephi, Utah, Blake Mangelson. Six foot five, 215-pound freshman coming in from Nephi. We'll see how Mangelson does. He's a walk-on to this program, but has good size. Six five, two fifteen. That, in theory, has the frame. You can add some weight to it. Make him as a defensive lineman. Bulk him up a little bit and see what he does for the Cougars. And It's just another guy in the long line of BYU walk-ons who are hoping to make their dreams come true playing for the BYU football program. So 93 days away, our countdown stops at 93, talking about Blake Mangelson here on Locked On Cougars. On to other news. Congratulations to Andrew Pintar. He was named WCC Freshman of the Year. An absolutely stellar campaign for the BYU baseball program. Uh, he's also all WCC first team as a freshman. Just an impressive, impressive showing for him. Uh, was, uh, I believe, top 10 in WCC play in 10 offensive categories overall. First in total bases with 72. By the way, all these all WCC awards are based just on conference play. He was one of 13 individuals named to the 2021 all WCC first team. He was also named, as I said, freshman of the year alongside Luke Keyshaw of San Francisco. Just impressive, impressive showing for him. He was joined on the All-WCC teams on the second team by both Cole Gamble and Mitch McIntyre. And then honorable mention honors went to pitchers Reed McLaughlin as well as Carter Smith. So congratulations to all these former Cougars on the baseball program on really a fantastic season overall. It didn't finish up the way they hoped because obviously they were gaining momentum and hoping to play in the WCC tournament, which was canceled before the season even kicked off. It's crazy to think what might have happened for BYU had they been able to play in that tournament out there in Stockton like normal in any given year outside of that. Two other notes for you guys is congratulations to former BYU defensive back Diane Lake. He rejoins the Los Angeles Rams. He's one of their final cuts last year. A guy who very much thought he was going to make the Rams roster. Well, here's hoping the second go-round for him works out that way. Uh, I really think Diane has got a skill set that's going to be very impressive. It will be fun to see both Diane 
Ryan Lake as well as Troy Warner in the same defensive backfield. Speaking of the Los Angeles Rams, and best of luck to Diane as he rejoins the Rams, trying to make an NFL roster once again this coming summer. And then finally, congratulations to former BYU offensive line standout Nick Ayer. He's been named to the College Football Hall of Fame ballot this year. Obviously played for BYU in the late 70s and early 1980s. A first-team All-American was just an incredible offensive lineman for some of the most offensively powerful BYU teams in program history. He protected such guys as uh, Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, and Steve Young. Think about that. Three College Football Hall of Fame quarterbacks in their own right, and he was right there protecting their blind side. Nick, very much deserving of that opportunity. I believe he would be the eighth Cougar to be honored by the College Football Hall of Fame with enshrinement there, should he be voted in. And it's my opinion, I'm biased, that he should be picked for that. It's on the 2022 College Football Hall of Fame ballot, and best of luck to him as he tries to garner enough votes from the media who vote on this to make it in to the Hall of Fame there in Atlanta. All right, there you go. You guys are up to speed on everything you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Thursday. A big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast. Please follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to weigh in there, is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, you can feel free to reach out via email. That is LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. And a reminder for you guys, once you're done with this podcast, get over and check out the Locked On Today podcast. It aims to keep you guys up to speed on everything you need to know as a sports fan overall. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, NFL, Major League Baseball, they've got it all for you guys over there on Locked On today. All right, that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the show. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 3rd, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.